Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. Our guest today is Brian Garrity. I appreciate Thank you joining me for the Mike Litton Experience. I'm on Monday already. Like, Thank we, you. like we talked about, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. Yeah. You're one of the most fascinating people I've ever met in my life, and one of my favorite people in the world. You're too kind. I'm a huge fan of yours, you know that. Have been for a long time. I want to hear your story. I want to be able to have our listeners hear you, about you, your life. What I believe will happen, or I know will happen, is you will inspire people and motivate them to do things that they've been putting off, okay? Because they're gonna connect with your story. That would be very nice. Okay, it's, okay. Yeah. So let's start with your permission. Let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Orange County, in Fullerton. Okay. My whole family's from Pittsburgh, so okay. I was a late in life baby that yeah. ended up with my parents relocated here to Southern California. Um, grew up in Orange County back then. It was a very like bedroom community, as suburban as you could get, <laughs> as the day is long. Right. Um, not a lot of diversity, if you will, but it was a great place to grow up. It was a very wonderful experience. It really was a great. My parents were amazing people. My dad was a very smart guy, very quiet, unlike his son. Um, my mom was a feisty little Italian sweetheart, and God, I miss both of them. But being like, baby, I have a brother that's 19 years older. Okay. And so he was out of the house in the Air Force by the time I was born. Right. Then I have my sister, who's 17 years older. You wouldn't know if you saw her. But she was sort of like a second mom. Okay. And then my brother that's closest to me in age, he's eight years older. Okay. So now both my brothers are in Phoenix, and then now my sister just moved to Idaho, and my Man, I'm feeling alone. I'm a big yeah. guy about family. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that's where I started. I went to school. Um, I did uh, JC the first two years because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. My mom was like, you can't leave Orange County. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to San Diego, I think, but let me figure it out. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, and so I did that, got my all my stuff certified, transferred into San Diego State, got a BS in communications, BS. Right. It's so perfect. I love that. Um, <laughs> still wasn't sure. Graduated four years. Then back then, that's what I tell people. Like when I was younger, I'm mm -hmm. 58 now. It's like back then, you graduated college. Like you had the opportunity to get a job that was better. People that hadn't gone to college, you wouldn't get interviews. Nowadays, it's a completely different world. Right. So my first job was. State Farm recruited like I don't know the top one percent of what they considered to be college applicants or, or they were recommended by a certain division. So I went to this thing, got brought on by State Farm, moved to Redlands. I went back to Orange County, but I would commute. Moved to Redlands. I was like, I gotta go back to San Diego. Mm -hmm. I was in love with San Diego. Yeah. I, I mean, when I first came down here, I was homesick. You know, mom is boy, but. <laughs> First came down, I was super homesick. Well, then by the time I was graduated, I didn't want to leave. Right. Then that opportunity opened. I'm laughing now. It's not funny, but it was $24,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1987, $24,000 a year. There's a lot of money. Now it's right out of college, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, so there was that. <laughs> and I didn't know. So then my dad would be like, look, just go to law school, whether you, because that would be something we would have discourse back and forth about. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I think I'm built for that, but I don't know. I don't know what I do. I mean, my dad said, at least go to college, get the degree. You don't have to practice. You'll always have the degree, we'll open doors. I was like, oh, I don't know. So it took me being in State Farm hell mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. It was fun at first because 
this is back in 1987. Mm -hmm. You you become, you, I was the first person that was like 21 or 22 ever to be hired in that kind of a division right. where you were out dealing with attorneys and bodily injury stuff. Did that and I hit one guy that I really loved, like mm -hmm. somebody like you, really, mm -hmm. the guy just was like all about me. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is so weird, okay? Mm -hmm. Because he was like saying like, you need to get out of that. He's like, you're way too smart for this. He's mm -hmm. like, break it. He's like, come work with me. I'll send you to law school. And I was like, I don't know. It was because my family comes from like traditional. My dad had a great job. Um, my mom worked with like pennies for interior decorating. My dad had a really good job as like vice president of carpet mill. But they weren't risk takers in mm -hmm. terms of like self-employment. Right. You know, right. no guaranteed salary. Right. So the when I rolled into law, I was working as basically a law clerk. They wouldn't call it, it was called a negotiator then. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't call it that now because of everything. Right. Because then it sounded like you're practicing on a bill license. Yeah, yeah. Um, did that, worked full time, went to law school full time, got out, went to take the bar. I thought it would be like law school, fly by the seat of my pants. No, no, it was not like that. It was three days at hell, didn't pass. Oh my goodness. Um, then I was like, okay, I'll take it again, I guess. We'll see. I said, I'll put in more time this time. Right. But you, but the first time I did it, they gave me three months off. And this is when you're young and stupid. Mm -hmm. They gave me three months off and I was like, woo, I've got three months off of work. Right. Yeah, I can just do whatever. Right. And as a 24, 25 year old, mm -hmm. Hell, like I was single at that point, like already ready to mingle more than I already was. Could just go for three months. You can't do that. The, right. reason, they, <laughs> the reason they give you three months off is because you have it's to not so you go party. To the <laughs> so then what happened, that job at the law firm had evolved to the point where by the time I went to take it the second time, mm -hmm. I was making more money than the junior associates that were coming in. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you're going to the story, but I tell the story. So then the, I, I at the time, when pretty much my best friend, that's back when HIV was, uh, you were out of here. It was a horrible time. Yeah. Um, the 80s and the 90s, it's scary. So, but he had HIV, he got really sick. His oh. parents had disowned him. And just knowing, you know, I am, like, I just felt like somebody has to help him and take yeah. care of him. Um, and my mom and dad were really great about it too. Like they would come down and my mom would help a lot. Um, but during that whole time of taking care of him, I was taking the bar exam again. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah. allow, I, at that point, and it's very seriously at that point, I was like, mm, my priorities are like, this is somebody I love very much in my life. It's not going to be here for long. It's a total crime. He's like a couple years older than me, like 28. I was like 26 and losing his life, parents had disowned him over that. Mm -hmm. I've never been a flag waver, I'm a bad gay that way. But you know, I'm just not like, just let people be, let yeah. them do their thing. I, I hate all the labels and the society's become so nonsensical anymore. Um, took the bar exam and I missed it by eight points. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So, this is the second, yeah. second time. And so I said, screw it, I'm not doing it again. Oh. Um, and then also I was getting a little disillusioned with being in law, blah, blah, blah. Like, you have to be chained to the desk, basically. Mm -hmm. And I was always more of like the outside guy, the marketer, bring the people in. I could navigate a contract all day. All of those things. Mm -hmm. But it became very contentious. Mm -hmm. Every phone call was basically adversarial. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, hey. Because back then especially, it wasn't how can we make this work. Mm -hmm. It was like, here's what my person wants to need. No, we're not doing this. But we're not even getting any standstills. Yeah. So I did that. Then I met Wes. I had, just was coming out of it, had met Wes. For three years, I had this weird pain in my back. And I kept going to the, the doctor. Going to the doctor. Like, I don't know, it's like an inside pain. <laughs> They'd be like, what does that mean? And like, well, you know, you pull your back or something, like you can like point to it. It doesn't, I don't know, it's like an inside pain. So the doctor probably thought I was insane. For a year, the dude just kept saying like, walk, lose 20 pounds, take Viking. And I'm like, that stuff makes me throw up. No. Mm -hmm. Then Wes and I were together, I don't know, like at that time, maybe a couple months. And it was one night, he's like, I think we should take you to the emergency room. Like, you don't look, your coloring's off, 
everything's off. And I'm like, all right, well, I had an adrenal tumor the size of basically a grapefruit. Oh my gosh. And they kept missing it. It's like, that's the part I didn't understand. Like, yeah. It's like going to the emergency room for them to do the CT scan. Right. Because the other guy just kept ordering x-rays. A regular primary, which they're so useless. There are some good ones, but that one was useless. Yeah. So, ending up in the hospital, I found the person that I thought I would spend forever with, which mm -hmm. apparently were on that truck 21 years later. But when that doctor came in, it was like 1.30 in the morning, mm -hmm. and the first question that he asked, are all your affairs in order? First question, I was like, well, and you're how old? 35. Oh my goodness. I was like, all oh, my affairs in order. You're talking to somebody that that translates very easily into like, what's the problem? Right. And he was like, you have a tumor. It's the biggest tumor I've ever seen. He's like, it looks like it's behind your heart, on your kidneys, on your adrenals. He's like, oh. I just don't see how you would survive something like oh this. Oh my gosh. Well, they hadn't done any other pathology. So I said, my dad had just died. Five months before that. Okay. Okay. My mom and dad had an epic marriage. When my mom lost my dad, like I'm telling you, like yeah. she was lost. Yeah. And when I say lost, like feisty, she could do her own things, but like without my dad, like no way. That's yeah. all she would talk about. Yeah. How much she missed him. I would be all, and I get that. That's like we've been yeah. a long time. Had a good marriage. Well, I was scared. Like I was there everything. Mm -hmm. Some of our other kids, like being the baby, like yeah. and being like the kid, baby, like your mom's got you. Um, and back then people didn't come out like that. Right. But my mom was like, I was like, oh my God, like I've got to be able to maybe deal with the doctor. I'm like, I'm not, get through this. You're going to let me out tonight. And the doctor was like, I'm not letting you out. If I discharge you, it'll be against medical advice. See, now I, I had a good understanding of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I should, I knew way more than any normal person should mm -hmm. know. You get discharged from the hospital AMA or against medical advice, mm -hmm. it nullifies your insurance. Mm -hmm. And it still is like that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, look, I'll come back. I just need to tell my mom in person. There's no way I'm making a Can't phone do this call. Can't do this over the phone, yeah, no yeah. And so it was two o'clock in the morning. He's like, I believe you from an integrity standpoint, exactly what he said, that you will come back. But if you're not back here by three o'clock, which would be about 13 hours later, mm -hmm. if you're not back here by three o'clock, I, I will just file this check. I said, I'll be back. So then I called Well, him. and he has liability too. So, Huge. Yeah. So and, yeah. and then after saying all that. Yeah. And then when I got home, I was like, and my um, sister lived on the next street. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad had moved there. It's in the Eagle Run part of Corona. So mm -hmm. they moved from Orange County mm -hmm. over to Eagle Run. My, because it was more affordable coming down here at the mm -hmm. time and then retiring. But my sister was on the next street, and I'm like, mm, because my sister and I are so close. And like, two fifteen in the morning, like, mm -hmm. I just need to call her. So I called her. Obviously, you gotta call at two fifteen in the morning. Like, immediately when she answered, what's wrong? Yeah, something's wrong. Yeah, and I told her, and obviously very upset. And she's like, don't call mom. Don't come up here. Because my sister would go to her house every morning at mm -hmm. like seven thirty or eight, have coffee, hang out. She's like, I'll be there at eight. She's like, call then so that I'm there. Right. And that's what happened. And then my mom was obviously devastated. Absolutely. Um, and then they came down, I got back to the hospital and they threw me on a cancer floor for 10 days. Hmm. The reason I bring that up, if somebody wants to have an existential crisis yeah. or it gets scared the shit out of you, mm -hmm. get on the cancer floor for 10 days. Yeah. The stuff that you will see will be etched in your mind forever. Yeah. And you know what a feeler I am. Mm -hmm. Like my heart was just breaking left mm -hmm. and right. I'm like, God, I, I, this is gonna happen to me. Mm -hmm. Then they got the specialist in. I was in there for 10 days before they could get me to surgery because they needed to have a vascular specialist, a renal specialist, they did the, 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 the adrenalectomy, they took out my left adrenal gland, uh, whoever did like kidneys. I mean, it was like four or five, it was the biggest pain coordinating this guy. I thought because sure, of where it was located. Yeah, I was yeah. like, for sure I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, between what that guy said, he had not seen anything like this, and now I've been on this cancer floor for 10 days. Like, two of the people I was in the room with, one died the second day I was there, like five days later, the next one passed. Like, that's heavy. You're thinking your I life mean, is like, over, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. And so yeah, I'm like, oh, like making deals with God in my head, mm -hmm. like, Oh, just let me get past this. Let me get past this. It's so stupid. Mm -hmm. 
Because I believe if you have faith, I'm not trying to add anything. I want people to believe whatever they believe. Mm -hmm. But I do believe whatever your faith is, I don't care if it's a rock, whatever that faith is that you're putting on to, weird, don't use it as a convenience. That's why I find gratitude in my life, no matter how hard it is, mm -hmm. during the lowest lows, mm -hmm. still find gratitude. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Yeah. We're here at the lowest and lows. That's, and that's part of what makes you so amazing. Okay. I don't know anybody on this planet that looks as hard as you do at any situation, no matter what it is, and finds the good in it. I try. Seriously. I promise. Seriously. I mean, it's, I that's a big deal, Brian. It's a big deal. And it's one of the reasons why I'm one of your biggest fans. I appreciate it. Okay? That. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted you to do this. You are such an inspiration to people, more so than you even realize. Okay. I don't and that. that's why I felt like this was important, because the people we can reach and the people you can inspire and motivate. Right. It's, I think it's endless. I really do. I so I agree with you completely. Go ahead, I apologize. No, 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 jump in. So then there was like that weird existential crisis piece. Of yeah. like, wait, when I got out of surgery, oh, I, I, it's so weird. I remember it. I could feel it still. It's so weird. I remember my eyes popping open and being like, well, and the nurse looked over me and she's like, I won't say exactly what she said, but she's like, you're one lucky little beep. Yeah. And I, she was like, all your margins were clear. They, they, she, we did that together, she was doing it around, they had to remove some other. She said, but she's like, everything's clear. Right? It was benign. I was like, oh God. Yeah. So that night, as I, you know, after you have surgery, you're out of it. So I think I was still probably like dreaming. It's a big faith thing. But, anyways, long story boring, got out of that. Well then, the last thing when I was being discharged from there, mm -hmm. the vascular guy was like, hey, because your adrenal gland has been removed and your lab work, he's like, some of it could be thrown off based on how long that tumor was there. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep an eye on two things, your weight and something else. I forget what it was, something stupid. Oh, you're, make sure that you're being hydrated. Mm -hmm. Okay, which I've always had problems Well, he's like, get a hormone doctor. I mean, I hated going to doctors. I wasn't getting a hormone doctor. Well, then about two years later, my weight started to get out of control. I started to have all this other weird stuff start happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is this? Mm -hmm. Well, early onset Parkinson's will start, and it starts very low. Like, people will miss it all the time. So I, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like, oh, it's probably because I gained so much weight. I'm becoming like a balloon. I don't know what's going on. Finally went to a hormone specialist. Now, how old were you, sorry, how old were you when... When I got the diagnosis? Well, when you, when you sort of went to... Oh, 35. By the time I went to doctors for like seven years. Okay, so oh, 42. So 42. Okay. Seven years. So Legit had your metabolism, had your metabolism slowed down? What happened was the metabolism had come to basically a crawl. People always say about thyroid, but for real, I'm on every thyroid supplement you can imagine, pharmaceutically. But also, like, there's something that people have called, like, your human growth hormone. Mm -hmm. It about it decimated the mind. See, that's where you need a high-level specialist. Right. They say, like, celebrities use it. This. I was like, for what? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand. But I knew I didn't feel well and I wasn't right. And, like, even my mom would be like, and she was the best coach. Mm -hmm. I don't get how you're getting so much weight. I'm like, I don't either. It's so weird. So they kept sending me to, like, general endocrinologists. Mm -hmm. It legitimately took a person getting involved, finding somebody in town here that was so high level, he's like, this, this, and this. So what was happening is my estrogen level, mm -hmm. of all things, was like 10 times what like a woman's estrogen level mm -hmm. would be. So it was, convert like, it was just becoming fat, fat, mm -hmm. fat, because my, my testosterone was decimated too. Right. Um, that part of the story, a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So like, things But it's important. This because is because there's always because there, a step there will be people that are listening to this that are going through this. And please go to the doctor and speak yeah. up if you think anything. You know your body. That's Absolutely. the one thing I tell people. Like you know your body. If, you need to be your own advocate, especially, especially now. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. the worst. It's true. So then, what was starting to happen? They got it. Then they got the started to get the weight under control. Once it, I, he got me on his regimen, but it was like something's wrong. My back again. Mm -hmm. So I was like, uh oh. This feels familiar, but it was a little bit higher. So he's like, yeah, with the weight you're carrying, I was like, don't do this to me. He's like, no, 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 I'm gonna send you to a neurosurgeon. He's like, one of the best in town. You're telling me your left foot doesn't wake up. 
it's taking an hour or two. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. So they got me in right away. He was like, you kept blaming me on your weight. I was like, oh, well, I was probably pinched nerve. Anything that I could come up with an excuse to right. not go right. in my head, like I was a doctor, it's so stupid. Well, but going to the doctor was kind of traumatic and, uh, and earlier, it, right? It, oh, yeah. So yeah. it is more traumatic. I don't blame you. Go to the neurosurgeon. His PA was really smart. He wasn't there that day. And she was like, look up. And she was using like a, what you, not, a not a bobby pin. Those, uh, like where they poke you with a pin, but they, shoot, I can't figure out what, what are those called? The, Safety pin. Safety pin. Okay. So like she had the safety pin open, I guess, and Russ was in there. Mm-hmm. And she was like, bang, 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 hitting my foot with it. And she was like, do you feel any pressure? Do you feel anything? And I was like, no. And she was like, okay, we have an MRI next door. We're going to send you to the MRI right now. I was rolling along like, okay, where did that? We'll have your results in two weeks. We'll call you. Mm-hmm. This is the defining moment. I had my, this is why I never leave my cell phone next to the bed, ever. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is from years ago. 7.30 the next morning, boom, it was their number calling. And I said to Russ right there, I was like, uh-oh, like, I, my insights say this is a problem. And sure enough, they're like, you need to come in to the hospital on Friday, this is a Wednesday. And I was like, no, I have work commitments, I, I'll come in, like, we can see this a couple of weeks out. And she was like, I'm telling you. Dr. Larry needs to see you in the hospital. You're gonna come in, you're gonna have one fusion. You'll be in here for max a week, Mm -hmm. and it might take you two weeks to recover, two to four weeks. I go in two weeks after they said, because I was always prioritizing work, Mm -hmm. bad idea. Um, Once he got in there, my entire back was destroyed. So I'm bolted like front and back. They literally had an attached me on 10 levels and put me back. So, it's called dish disease. It's mm-hmm. an autoimmune disorder. Um, it, when I woke up in the ICU, I was like, enough of where I'm like, holy hell, you have to be kidding me. Like, this is like repeat trauma all over again. Because it wasn't the normal recovery room. Right. And then my mom had passed. My sister, Wes, and uh, another family member, they walked into the room. And you know how you're just becoming coherent, but like I can see that all their eyes were red. I was like, uh oh. And my, I asked him, like, what's going on? He's like, wait till Dr. Larry comes in. Like, he'll tell you. It's better if he explains it. Oh my gosh. So then he was like, dude, you're not leaving. Um, you, you're the worst case I've ever seen. I was like, you have people that legitimately are paralyzed from a motorcycle accident that you made able to walk again. I'm the most traumatic person you've ever seen. He was like, you're having another surgery on Monday on the front. I had to go on 10 levels for you to put your back together. And my neck is long, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so the standard issue titanium that normally would have been in there, the Scripps La didn't have it. Oh my God. So they put me in, they had to use a lift team. Like no one could touch me. It was the weirdest thing for three days. And then when he put me back in for surgery again on that following Monday, oh boy, when I woke up from that one, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm never gonna be able to walk again. Like I, I, I was like this. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Like if people only knew, I'm not championing anything about myself, but like right there, I was in the ICU for a month. Mm-hmm. There was one nurse who was a total bitch the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I really, there was another really great one. Aaron, when I was leaving, she was like, "What did I tell you about the walker?" She's like, "You've been in the hospital before. You know we have to put you in a wheelchair." And she looked me straight in the eyes, and she's like. Get used to the wheelchair because that's where you're going to be. Now, because I didn't tell you everything, you want the story. Yeah. I was bent over like this, and I looked up. The other nurse so I loved was there too. I looked like something. I was like, You've been such a bitch the whole time that I've been here. I'll yeah. tell you right now that I'll be back walking. So, Christine was her name, my hero. I see her. She was like, Please do. She's yeah. like, You're going to have to fight. So, I was in three years of physical therapy, yeah. that most people don't know. Crappy part? The early onset Parkinson's was there the whole time. It's just with all of this, they were just saying like, "Well, you're having neurological deficits from the surgery." I was like, "Something's wrong with my voice." I like well, the radio mm-hmm. from when we had the radio yeah. show. It was like I would have people that have known me since high school or college yeah. and listen, and they called me like something. I said, "You know, I'm always talking, and my voice is probably just wearing out." Yeah, it was Parkinson's destroying my vocal cords. I was losing my sense of smell. My handwriting, I said like girly penmanship was becoming like doctor's handwriting. Mm. And I would notice, I just chalk it up to all of this that happened. Like, oh, my balance seems weird. Ugh, I probably should just like slow it down. No, I finally got to, they said it had hit my hips, that same dish disease. Mm-hmm. 
and goes to this doctor, <laughs> total, total bitch he was, I love what a bitch he was actually. And he was like, pull my leg, pull this, he's like, well, your hips are not fun. He's like, but bigger picture, you better get that early onset Parkinson's under control or I can't touch you. And I was like, early onset Parkinson's. And he stopped at my time. He's like, forgive me, I'm rushing a little bit today. He's like, I just reviewed your films. I didn't review all your medical. He's like, it was like a thesaurus of encyclopedias and just like nonstop with your medical. He's like, I apologize. He's like, have you not been diagnosed? So I was like, oh no. my gosh. So, so it's like a slip of the tongue kind of thing. Oh yeah, and he ran out and called this neurologist who was in, oh. I call it the Zymed Mafia at Scripps. Unbelievable. And when he came in, he was like, you had an appointment with her in July and you didn't show up. And this was December. I was like, I did? I was like, I did, I don't remember. Because I had so many damn doctor appointments. Yeah. The one thing I never did though, is suffer me. So like for me, the plugged in was where real estate was beautiful. Yeah. I moved into real estate because of all the drama that happened early on. Yeah. I had control of my life. I didn't want to be in law. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't. I didn't want to be any of those things. I could probably out-practice anyone if I had a license. But it's just boring. It's not, if I could be in a courtroom every day, you bet the first time I would have been done. That, because that's where my strong suit would be. Mm -hmm. Being in trial or something mm -hmm. like that. I agree with that. But it, to do that you would have to take the path of working at the DA's office as a public defender. Had I been a few years younger and had a different, like Benjamin Button's factor, looking yeah. back, had, yeah. I, had a to do over, I would have went from college, right into law school, secured the job, it made sense, like at the DA's or the public defenders, you get paid crap, you work your butt off, but you don't get that. You can't put a dollar amount on that experience. That's true. The best attorneys in town, the charge the most, drill down with them and ask. Yeah. Majority were either DAs or public defenders. Absolutely. Regardless of what level they've ended yeah. up in. That's where they started. So I moved into real estate. People said I'd have more control of my time. Joke. Then I, <laughs> I started doing mortgage. Hated it. Yeah. But Wes was a really great processor. Yeah. And Wes was just fine as well. I was like, I don't know. Like, I probably would just go back and log it serious and do this. Then, like, was making a lot of money in mortgage, being transparent, was not screwing people over like frozen. Like, I feel like I could save the world, that's the biggest joke. But, like, people were being taken advantage of. Then, remember, things, everything shut down, like, basically overnight, like, all the warehouse lines. It took me at first, like, a couple months, like, we had a short seller house. Mm -hmm. We had a short seller investment condo. I was like, Oh my God, like this is insane. And we had a nice little nest egg in the bank mm -hmm. between all the medical, that happening, trying to be like, things were just depleting yeah. quickly and quickly. And I'm like, I want to avoid bankruptcy. Although I would file it if I needed to. Mm -hmm. I'm not too proud to say that. People have hard times in their life. It's yeah. okay to speak up about it. Um, and the weird thing is like, short sales just fell on me and the REOs, the real estate, not like the yeah. company. And I was doing that, sort of partnering up with somebody, and I'm like, no, I'll just do this on my own. I'm doing most of the work anyway. I love the person I partnered up with. But I'm like, I think I'm actually built more to be on the sales side mm -hmm. than the mortgage side. Mm -hmm. I just like, ugh, I don't want to talk about your impound accounts, your yeah. taxes, or your insurance. I, I really don't. Yeah. And Wes loved it. Yeah. So we had all that training, all those years as the process. Mm -hmm. That's why he's such a great loan officer now. Yeah. And a the, great guy, by the way. You know, sweet. Yeah. Then with the early onset Parkinson's, everybody thinks they understand Parkinson's. It's the reason I went public is because I was on a cane, I could barely walk. Mm -hmm. People were thinking, do you have MS? Do you have this? Like, you name it. Blueberries, everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, no, it's just this weird dish disease I have. And it's like, got to my hips, I can barely move. No, it was the part, that's why I wasn't getting better. Mm -hmm. Because it makes your body retract and become more rigid. Right. What I didn't know about early onset is it also will try to take you down from the inside out. Mm -hmm. I think people think of Parkinson's as like, when your grandfather gets it at 80, mm -hmm. it's sad. Like, oh, bummer, he has Parkinson's, but they're 80. Mm -hmm. And there's 87 different variants of it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I have the same variant as Michael J. Fox. And God bless Michael J. Fox. Talk about somebody who's diagnosed early. Thank God he had the platform. I hate what he's been through. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you right now, had that not happened to him, like, no way would they be where they're at. And they've got a ways to go, obviously. And it's a it's a brutal disease. Like I could talk about real estate all day and I, you know, top five hundred insanity. All that stuff we could talk about. At the end of the day, all I care about 
is taking care of the people. Yeah. Not worried about unit number, this or that. Like, I, I know what I want to do. Yeah. I want to be able to help people. Mm -hmm. And that gives me great satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I feel like in this industry, like, we need more of the me and you. Yeah. And those that are here, now I don't care, I'll just say it. Like, the behavior I've witnessed in the last couple of years, compared yeah. to the last 21, I was yeah. like, it's just getting more and more insane. It's getting worse, not better. Yeah. yeah, it really is. So the Parkinson's is a beast to manage, mm -hmm. and it really took quarantine hitting. Wes got me to the numbers. See, my first specialist, she was too much of a generalist. Mm -hmm. She couldn't figure out my case. Or she knew what it was. She just didn't know how to manage it. Mm -hmm. Wes, behind the scenes, because I was like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. He'd be like, fine. It's an awfully weird way of being fine. But he got me this like number six gal. Mm -hmm. All she does, zero, is Parkinson's. And man, is she smart. Her name's Melissa Hauser, and she's at Scripps Green. And she's the one that really broke everything down. Like, no, 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 no. This isn't like my grandfather has the shakes kind of Parkinson's. This is called like, let me try and rip you down in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. Mental health, physical health, all stuff inside of your body. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been a rough road the last couple of years, yeah. it has. One thing they said along the way is like, you'll probably lose people. And you know how I am about people. It's mm -hmm. like, what do you mean I'll lose people? You do. You will lose people that don't understand that you're not the same person. Mm -hmm. I have the best intentions always. Mm -hmm. With clients, I don't worry about it. I always set expectations up front. No one's ever had a problem with me. If someone, say we're going to go to lunch, I would always tell you like, all right, we're going and I'm beast. I'll be there. Just know I might be a few minutes late, or if I'm, I call it like a tie my shoes morning. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a tie my shoes kind of morning, we might need to reschedule. Mm -hmm. So where I lost maybe a few people were like, well, you're supposed to get there twice and you didn't show up. I was like, if you only knew what it took for me to get out of bed and walk from the bed to my kitchen, mm -hmm. let alone get dressed and go meet you at a restaurant, like, come on. Yeah. But not everybody's as compassionate as we are. Yeah. I need to throw up all over you. But no, there's a lot of the story right there that people don't understand. Like. You can't give up, yeah. you can't. And people with Parkinson's, when I say quarantine fixed it, if I didn't get to Hauser, who's the specialist, mm -hmm. she straight up said, if you don't start doing boxing, mm -hmm. you're gonna be in a wheelchair. Yeah. She's like, and you probably have mm, three years before you're in assisted living. That hit me like, oh like man, like, like, yeah. oh yeah. And I was like, Wes would never put me in assisted living. And she's like, well, we have money for a nurse 24 hours a day. And I, so when we left after the first meeting, I was like, that bitch, she was just trying to scare me. And Russ was super serious. He's like, maybe, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Like, maybe we should video a day in the life of you. And then you tell me what you would tell that person. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, sort of like that. Like you can reason with me fast. So I was like, oh, I'm being unreasonable. And I couldn't wrap my head around boxing. Like I could barely walk. How am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. She connected me with a guy that would come to the house. Mm -hmm. It was transformative and life-changing. Mm -hmm. Am I on insane medication? I didn't understand how insane the medication was. Like that's caused one or two weird episodes of me not being my best self. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was a recent one where I was becoming a little spiteful with a group of people and I probably said, I probably I did. Probably was a little bit rageful, but when you have a front row seat, the people who are toxic, mm -hmm. without any further details on that, but mm -hmm. a front row seat and are watching it, mm -hmm. my bad that I didn't speak up earlier. Sorry that it took the Parkinson's meds to like agitate me enough for like, I just was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's not how you treat other people. I'm yeah. sick of watching this. Yeah. And so I've lost people there too, to be honest. I still have it. When I say lost people, that shedding should have happened long before that. Yeah. So there's my story though. And I love real estate, love you, love doing this kind of stuff. So my thing is, I moved to Sotheby's. The reason I did that, having Ashley as my assistant, I always had first assistant after 10 years, really great. Then COVID, then I found Ashley through Sonia. Mm -hmm. It's easy, God mm -hmm. bless her soul. She's here with us, I believe it. Um, but having Ashley's allowed me to like, be able to flex on the things that I'm the best at. Mm -hmm. Do I want to show houses? That's not my strong suit. Mm -hmm. Like I'd open the door, but I'm not going to push anybody. If it's a high dollar luxury house, I'll go because those are different specifications. Mm -hmm. 
I still have all the agent interface. I still do all the heavy. See, that's what the public doesn't understand. It's not just about opening a door. Mm -hmm. Opening a door, Mikey can do that. Mm -hmm. It's what's your reputation? What do the agents in town think about you? It matters. It I've, I've matter. said it for years. Like the agent is a piece of the equation. Mm -hmm. It matters who you work with. I agree. I guess it's like getting inventory and insanity down. Because I was writing offers 2021, I only had like one or two that I had to write two on. Mm -hmm. And I was having clients coming in, they were on offer 19 mm -hmm. with another agent. Finally, the agent piece started to matter. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to bore you with all that. No, you're not boring me. <laughs> but that's probably a lot of that story people don't know, or they know like bits and pieces. And when I had the incident with the meds, mm -hmm. people were like, well, I know somebody that has Parkinson's, they don't have to like that. I know somebody that has Parkinson's. It's like, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. And I'm not making any excuses for myself, zero, right. or my bad behavior, if that's the case. But no, you don't. Like, I had, it, it took me two years to understand everyone's journey with this mm -hmm. is unique. Had I not got to Hauser, I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to understand that. Yeah. I would figure like, it was a certain trajectory. You have five stages. Mm -hmm. I'm in X stage, like three now, mm -hmm. five. Stage five is like, I better be gone before that happens. I don't mean to sound horrible, but like, I know what stage five looks like. I've been to Parkinson's walks and I've been around enough to see. The stage four could be a thing, but like when you box, when you follow the protocols, when you swim, whatever. People didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. I will say what the first specialist said. She wasn't specific enough though. If she had she said do boxing or something, mm -hmm. then I could have argued with her, like, how am I gonna do that? Mm -hmm. But she said, the best thing I can tell you right now, your case is too wild probably for me to manage, I'll try. She ran right there. Mm -hmm. She was like, but exercise, exercise, exercise medication. And I was like, I remember walking out, I was like, she makes a lot of sense. And the rest was like, I don't know, I don't know anyone. His grandfather had it, but didn't get diagnosed after me. Again, then yeah. in our family, we could really see the difference mm -hmm. of what late onset versus early onset looks mm -hmm. like. And I think there needs to be more talk about it. I agree. Most people think early onset Parkinson's, like my grandfather had the shakes. It's like, if I was 80 and got diagnosed, I'd be like, oh, what a bummer. But like, I wouldn't be as devastated. And when I say devastated, even Russell would say like, they gave you that heavy news, you legitimately grabbed your cane, went for your briefcase to get up, and that first specialist was like, wait a minute, you need to sit back down. Do you understand what I just told you? Apparently, excuse me, apparently I didn't. Mm -hmm. Well, I understood enough. In my head, I was thinking, it was like, oh, okay, like an old guy gets the shakes, like I could make it through this. Like my hands were getting shaky, my balance was off. I didn't understand all the other stuff. Yeah. I didn't understand the power of the meds. I didn't understand that the variant that I have requires XYZ medications. It's so stupid. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're working on your brain. They're powerful. I'm not a dumb guy. And they had a screening for dementia. I mean, I went through hell. I was like, for some reason, if you said like, there's going to be, you're going to have dementia or you're going to be in a wheelchair, both are horrific. Mm -hmm. For some reason though, I never heard the word dementia until I got to Hauser. So the wheelchair was always like the thing that I was most afraid of. Mm -hmm. Then when she gave me the full breadth of it, you know, the whole way it scopes, I was like, she's like, I don't see any signs of dementia with you. It would be negligent of me if I didn't send you to someone to be screened. Right. You want to talk about a scary screening. You're there for six hours. At least at the end of the day, I was able to walk out and know like, that's zero on the radar mm -hmm. because the panic for me would be losing my brain and my thought processes yeah. or being able to help people. Yeah. And so here I am plugging away. Yeah, it's been pretty traumatic. And catching me on this at the right time is like, ah, I need to speak up again because there's some people that are misunderstanding things. And there's a lot of toxic behavior that goes on that I can't witness. I just need to remove myself from it. My problem is I won't participate in it. Mm -hmm. I won't. Yet, if I'm front row seat to it, I think you're complicit. Mm -hmm. Whether you say something or you don't, and this is like me being 58, I've, I've always kind of been this guy, but like very prominently now, like, no, no, no. If you're sitting in a group and you're hearing it, right, and it's nasty, mm -hmm. you're complicit too. Yeah. I mean, or speak up and say, like, that person's not like that. Silence is Silence. tacit acceptance. Thank you. Yeah. And, so I totally agree. So I totally agree. That's where I've been with stuff, and it's been heavy. So 
The realignment of Marion Sotheby's has been a very challenging thing. Mm -hmm. Only because anytime I'm such a guy that doesn't like change, right. it's just the nature of the change. Keller Williams was really good to me. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people that were like family there. It was very hard for me to step out. But I also had to be rational enough. And it's very hard for me. I'm so emotional. But I had to be rational enough to be like, the people that are really your friends, mm -hmm. they're really your friends. Mm -hmm. They will really refer to you that will maintain the relationships with you, yeah. they'd be a hula hoop real estate company and they don't care. Yeah, they work with you. So, yeah. Right? They don't work with whoever right, the, the, the brand. real estate company is. Right, so, and, and I think that's something that people miss mm -hmm. a lot of the times. I know I can't understand, I mean, <laughs> things that are bothering me of current mm -hmm. are like the people on these like real estate masterminds or social media, it's like, they sit there and bash like EXP, KW, LBT, this is like, don't you people have anything else to do? This is mm -hmm. makes everyone look bad. Mm -hmm. Stop. You have like almost a half million members in a social media group where people just keep pelting on brokerages. It's like best fit for the person. It's mm -hmm. a business decision, not personal. It took me 58 years to get there. Mm -hmm. And even though I made it, I'm saying that now, mm -hmm. like, oh, look at I did it and I'm fine. No, I wasn't fine. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. I couldn't absorb into Sotheby's. I was missing the people at KW. I wasn't being logged. I was letting my emotions rule my business sense. So you, that's a great lesson, by the way, to learn. I am so, earlier. So you just came back. It's it's currently end of August of 2023 that we're recording yes. this. You just came back from Meg Agent Camp in Austin. We did go. How was yeah. that? It was awesome. Yeah. It was a really great like reaffirmation of who the people I just love are. Yeah. Um, and it it's was a good group. It, it really it's, is. It's such a good group. It was always my favorite event. I say May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. May is my favorite. And I felt funny almost. Like, but then I'm like, no way. I love the people. Like, mm -hmm. I want to go see the people. And some people have a problem with it. If you leave, I'm sure other brokerages are the exact same way. But I'm more about like, who cares where somebody's at? Mm -hmm. Proficiency should be a given. My litmus test is before I'll refer. You could do $500 billion a year and be the world's biggest asshole. I would never refer the person. Right. I refer someone that does 10 houses a year, solid individual, good human, that I know is going to take care of the referral. Exactly. And people say, you're crazy. You should send them the money. I'm like, I'm not sending anyone to anybody. My intuition is usually spot on. Mm -hmm. If I get like that weird vibe up front, I'm not making a referral. Yeah. Period. Anyway, I don't blame you. So, and it's, I mean, you've been around the business too. Like, mm -hmm. we've known when each other on, and you've been in that same ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So, like, again, when it comes to Keller Williams, I think there's a lot of fabulous stuff that's there, and it's really good for people. The but, company changed my life. I was going to say, no like, ways, from a, no ways about had it. I not been at KW with all this health stuff that happened, mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, mm -hmm. like, the support there mm -hmm. was next level epic. Yeah. Very much accepting, yeah. and like Ashley Lund, who runs like mm -hmm. the KW Metro well, office, actually. talk about a wonderful human with mm -hmm. the hugest heart, and Leslie Akers, who's president of luxury, that ran the signature office. Mm -hmm. Like, you will not find two people with bigger hearts that have zero agenda mm -hmm. that legitimately care about the people that are affiliated with the organization. The only reason that I made the move is from a luxury standpoint. Mm -hmm. KW is luxury, I'm not saying it is not. Sotheby's I always found fascinating, but yet I would always say like, you could never get me to go there. Well, Sotheby's is a good company, let's be honest. It and, is. And they have a lot of value. They have a lot of value, especially in the luxury side. That, and I shared that with you before we got started here, that a, somebody I admire greatly, in addition to you, um, went to Sotheby's and it got my attention. Yeah. You know, I had never talked to them. Um, I, I'm not with them, obviously, I'm, yeah. with, I'm with the XP. Um, but relationships matter. Relationships matter to you. Relationships matter to me. It's a big deal. Um, bigger than most people realize, you know. And I really, really cannot thank you enough for telling your story. I know you're going to inspire and motivate people. I know that. Because there are people out there that are experiencing onset, early onset yeah. symptoms and that kind of thing. And they're not asking enough questions. They're not pressing their, their medical professionals yeah. enough. There, you know, you have to be your own advocate, or you got to go find somebody who will advocate for well, you. Well, I took Wes yeah. to get me the housing. <laughs> I've been stuck with. Yeah. Well, the other gal straight up said after two or three months, she's like, "It's his case is just too wild. Yeah. I can't manage it." Thank God she was an honest enough specialist yeah. to say that. 
Like she's a generalist, not a, not a Parkinson's. Right. You know, I have always thought the world of Wes. He's always been one of my favorite people. Yeah. I used to work with him. Yeah, yeah. Movement, right? Yeah. And I always thought the world of him. And then right before, I think it was right before COVID, you started boxing. Yeah, yeah right, right then. Yeah. Right, right then, right? Exactly. Right. And you all were posting videos mm -hmm. of you boxing in the backyard. And... I, my opinion of Wes has gone up so much. I already had a super high yeah. opinion of him. Now I think the guy's like a saint. Yeah. I mean, I really, really, I really feel that no, way. Yeah. I mean, it's just People don't the support that yes. he's given you and how he's helped you sort of navigate through all this. Um, he's just an, an amazing person. And I, just, I love him. I, I do too. And, and I'll tell you, like, when you say that, you talk to people don't understand, like, care partners. Yeah. We've been together a long time, we've been married a long time. That's one thing. Especially in the community we're in, like most people, mm -hmm. guarantee you, they would have ran from that oh, yeah. adrenal tumor nonsense right in yeah. the beginning. And there's been 10, is it nine, is it 10? Yeah, 10 subsequent hospitalizations mm -hmm. since that one. In the 21 years we've been together, yeah. like months in the hospital, like yeah. always there, never wavered, never. Yeah. Ever. I, I don't think that's always easy to Solid as they come. Yeah. I mean, salt of the earth. Right? And he held me accountable for the mm -hmm. boxing because I was uh, being piss and vinegar about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to do it. I don't, can't do it. Oh, once I started doing it, I loved it. And then the transformation started to happen. I was like, wait, I can move better. Mm -hmm. Wait, I can do this. And I started to build up some muscle, which I've never, I really never enjoyed any sport. Mm -hmm. I was that guy that always be like class president or student body president. I was, Friends with everybody, mm -hmm. but like not an athlete. Yeah. Um, and so like that's been really reassuring too. And then I started going to the Y for swimming. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, like I I'm feeling like one of the youngest people here in West Rico with me or was youngest. Yeah. But then I got on the board for the local Y and I'm gonna tell you, like the YMCA is an organization that I'm talking from my own personal experience, mm -hmm. even like I had no idea. I honestly thought it did like camps for kids. Yeah. No way. They yeah. have services that are insane. Yeah. So I joined the board in Mission Valley and like, I can't speak highly enough. I know they get emotional about, but I can't. I can't speak highly enough about what they do for the senior community, what they do for the kids, what they're doing for mental health. And like, people just need to know more about it. I agree. And what they do. So I agree. Anyway. Yeah, I had an opportunity to get involved with the with the YMCA in there in Escondido. Yeah. Um, back when my son was playing basketball, yeah. they had basketball a basketball league basically that he played in. I had no idea. I had no idea the workout facility they had. I had no idea right. about the pool. I had right. no idea right. about, about the the aquatic aerobics that they did and all that kind of thing. And it was it was a real eye opening experience for me. I mean, it's. It's amazing what they do. It really is. No, see, that, that's why we have something perfect today. Like, yeah. I didn't get it. Or they even have on Wednesdays, which I already have this with my specialist, but like, they even have like balance classes. Oh, I didn't know that. And I was like, they didn't have that. Wow. And like, the instructors have been there like 30 years. And I become friends with a couple of them, and they're like, you need to tell your story louder. You do. So that people will understand, like, you do, come here and we move. Like, one gal, one of her best friends was an Olympic runner. Mm -hmm. Ended up with early onset and, like, just gave up on herself. And it took her going to the Y mm -hmm. and starting to swim with Claudia mm -hmm. and do all this other stuff to regain. She had as bad as mobility. She was having freezing, all the same stuff I was having. Mm -hmm. And freezing is when you have Parkinson's and you're not managing it. Like, mm -hmm. Just imagine, like, you know how you can tell you, like, you're not thinking about blinking, you're mm -hmm. not thinking about moving your fingers. No, no, your body, just, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. You're like, let's go, let's go. Yeah. yeah, so, anyway. Do you mind if I tell you a real quick story? You bet. I want you, I want you to, to use your megaphone, okay? And that's part of what we're doing here, okay? Yeah. We're broadcasting to the world what you've been through and what they can learn from it. I had a health scare, nothing even remotely close to what you've been through. The, in, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, there was a flu epidemic going around, or a flu strain going around. It was one of the deadliest in decades. And I don't know if you remember this, it was all pre-COVID, but it was filling up the hospitals and the hospitals were at crisis mode. They were running out of beds yeah. and all this. <clears throat> I was on a, I had been to Tampa to visit a buddy of mine 
And I was sitting in a Southwest Airlines jet in Dallas on the tarmac, getting ready to take off for San Diego, and a 10-year-old girl vomited all over me. And I knew at that moment that I was going to get the flu because yeah. she had it, yeah. and you know, I just I just got bathed in it, right? So I get back to San Diego. I'm down with a fever for six days straight. It was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. Finally, finally breaks. Day and a half later, I'm sitting down at my computer to send out at home, send out a couple emails, and I'm heading to the office because I'm way behind, right? My heart is just racing, racing. Like, yeah. I can't get it to slow down. And I start, I laid down on the floor. I did some deep breathing. I, I couldn't figure out how to get yeah. it to slow down. To drive myself to the emergency room, I spent seven hours in the emergency room at Palomar Hospital. I'm diagnosed with type two diabetes. My blood sugar was 343. Oh I'm 51 years old. Yeah. My my blood sugar was 343. They they put two full bottles of saline in me and give me five units of insulin. Send me get my my pulse rate down to 100 beats a minute. My resting heart my resting heart rate that day at the at the ER yeah. was 145 beats a minute. <laughs> is, it's called tachycardia. Oh right? yeah, yeah, right. And the and the and the, and the, and the, the the ER, the attending ER doctor walked in and he said, I can't believe you're still sitting upright. Absolutely. Is that insane? I can't I can't believe you're still you're still oh, no. conscious, right? He goes, Most people are out at this point. He goes, So this is what we're gonna do. So they so the next day I go to the doctor. I wasn't I hadn't seen a doctor in twenty years. Oh my goodness. I go to the doctor and I said, Doc, what do I need to do? And she said, Well, first I go into the into the clinic and the girl goes, Your resting heart rate's 135 beats mm -hmm. a minute. You have to go back to the emergency room. Yeah. I said, Well, okay. If I go back to the emergency room, we're going to do the exact same thing. I'll be back there right. tomorrow, right? I need answers. I need somebody to see me. I need some. I need answers. I'm not, and I and I think she thought she either took pity on me or she thought I wasn't going to leave. One yeah. of the two, right? <laughs> this is one of those moments where I actually advocated for myself. Yeah. And she goes to the head of the clinic, and the and the, the lady says she's the head nurse or the head doctor says, "Put him in room six. I'll be there as soon as I can." She walks in. I instantly calm down because of her bedside manner, yeah. like she knew what yeah. she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get in there, no, she answers no, no, no. my questions, and I said, what do I need to do? She said, you need to lose weight. I said, doc, I've lost 104 pounds. And she said, well, you need to lose more, and you need to do it now. Okay, so we leave, we're driving home, my wife is driving, because I didn't feel I didn't right. feel up to driving. Right. There's a, there's a um, Metafast, yeah, 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 sure, right? Yeah. I'm like, pull in here. You know, Ted Leitner? Ted yeah, Leitner right. lost 93 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, get me in here. And she goes, no. She goes, we've used the same book for you to lose 104 pounds. We're going to go home, dust it off, and see if you respond. If you don't, in a couple of weeks, I'll take you. Okay. We go home. She dusts off the book that we used to yeah. lose 104 pounds. It's called Eat Great, Lose Weight by Suzanne Summers. Okay. She dusts it off. We, we go back to that program a little more strict than before. Yeah. I lost 51 pounds in 90 days. Yes. Okay, Fantastic. I'm telling you all this because I end up, <coughs> while this is happening, I'm having a conversation with a buddy of mine that runs a home builder in Tampa. Uh -huh. And he's like, if you're at all interested in coming to Tampa, and if you're at all interested in, in selling new homes, I've got a project that I need you to work on. You're one of the only people I know of that can do this. Yeah. I'm like, now he's playing my song. Right. So yeah. I so I go down to the live scan place in Escondido to get my fingerprints done. Yeah. Never had my fingerprints done. That tells you I've been in the business too long, right? <laughs> Remember but all those oh, yeah. years ago back in ninety two when I got the license? So I go to this live scan place, I walk in and there's a blonde and a brunette. They're partners in the deal, I find out later. I didn't know that at the time. I walk in, the the, the brunette walks over and she says let me help you, you know, come over. I need your driver's license. I said, I'm going to hand it to you as long as you promise not to look at the picture. And she goes, well, honey, I have to look at the picture. So she looks at the picture. The picture is of me 150 pounds heavier yeah. than I was at that moment. Okay. So she looks at the picture. She looks at me. She looks at the picture. She looks at me. And she goes, I said, I've lost some weight. And she goes, yeah, you have. What in the world did you do? So I tell her the story, the one I just told you. Okay, I send everything in. This is a God thing. I send everything into Florida. Florida three weeks later sends me a thing back with a new card, and they said there was a there was a mistake on your card. You need to go back to LiveScan and have your finger fingerprints rolled again. So I go back to the same place. Yeah. I walk in the door, and the blonde is standing there, and she goes, "I can't believe you just walked in here." 
And I said, why is that? She said, you know my partner that helped you? I said, yeah. She said, she's literally at the doctor right now. She's a type two diabetic, has been for 10 years. Stopped taking her meds, stopped eating right, stopped doing yeah. all the things yeah. you're supposed to do. You coming in here and telling us your story inspired her to go get her blood work done. She's meeting with the doctor right now to figure out what to do with the blood work that came back. They're going over her results. Uh, She's like, you have no idea what an inspiration you are. Yeah. Right? Totally. I'm telling you, I got, like, I just you have to tell your story. Yeah. Okay? Every opportunity you get, you have to tell your story. I appreciate it. Okay? You need I a megaphone, baby, and yeah. you need to I use it. it. Okay? Yeah, You're an inspiration. And I love you, and I could not be more proud of you. Oh, thank you. I and I, about you. And I, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you for having me. I it appreciate was, it. This totally. has been amazing. Is yeah. there anything else you'd like to talk about before we finish? No, but isn't it funny? We're just paralleling everything. Yeah. So, like, early onset Parkinson's is the blanket. That's why I'm always missing every all the other crap that's happening yeah. to me. It was March 2021. Mm -hmm. They needed to get in here again. Mm -hmm. They're like, go get cardiac clearance. Well, for about a month or two before that, and you know how much I talk, but like I just say, oh my gosh, okay. <sighs> I had a box and then I'd be, be talking, so I'm talking to you, I'd be like, ah, I'm sorry, I'm like out of breath, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Yeah, I had, um, I had, like, I'm sorry, I yeah. had, my heart rate was resting. Mm -hmm. so, so like, I need to put a mounter on you, like your heart rate's above 135, so it's not normal. She's like, I'm gonna get your legs. She's like, did your legs fall up like that? I was like, that's why they were running me to talk to you just to make sure. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a demon. She was like, let me run some tests. Nah, put that on me. So then I had to have like a TTE procedure mm -hmm. where they like try to shock you back into mm -hmm. like normal sinus rhythm. Right. That failed after two minutes. So I was in, I'll tell you, normally I don't have pain, but when I woke up from that, I was like, I felt like my left shoulder had broke above the collarbone. I'm not kidding you. Like, oh and the nurse that was there was exactly, it was like, if you saw, like, you, he's like, you're hilarious. You were making me laugh the whole time before they, they knocked you out. He's like, and I was thinking about you because you, I must have been saying, like, is it like the exorcist? Am I going to be flying off the bed and stuff? And the guy was just thought it was ridiculous. But he was very sweet about it. And he was like, hey, I've seen your medical history. Like, this is the problem. They're going to be only lasted two minutes. The next thing they're going to tell you to do is going to feel scary. He's like, don't run from it. And I was like, that's interesting that like, a highly compassionate person that I don't even really know seemed to give me the right advice. Like, oh, talk about a God thing, like almost like speaking to me. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, then priorities. I was like, oh, my friend's getting married in Cabo. Like, I'll come back in two weeks. And the doctor was like, no, you've been living with it this long. All I'm gonna tell you is the fact that you're still sitting here in front of me with everything is shocking. You've had episodes of 18 hours and 32 minutes because had that thing on me for a week. Mm -hmm. 18 hours and 32 minutes above 135. So when I went in to have the elevated ablation, the nurse there, when we were going back, she was like, I can't believe you're here now. She moved from the regular surgery unit to cardiac. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh my God. She's like, it's you. She's mm -hmm. like, we all love you. And I'm like, I love you guys too, but I wish I was having frequent flyer miles on airlines at right. the hospital. Right. And she was like, the thing about you that's super cool, she's like, you're fearless when you come in. I was like, hmm. I never really thought about it. I don't think of myself that way. She's like, no, no, most people are panicking, like mm -hmm. having a nervous breakdown before they get into surgery. Mm -hmm. like, well, what's the choice? Like, do right. I do I have a nervous breakdown before I get in there and right. not have the faith that I have and just, I know if I did that, right. I bet my results would be a lot different. Yeah. And they got that fixed and it's situated and it was just one more slap of like, when I say Parkinson's, mm -hmm. so I said, yep, the specialist is like, I told you on day one, we have to look at all of your essential organs and how they function. Mm -hmm. She was like, I referred you to cardiologist. I said, I went to that guy mm -hmm. twice. He just said I had edema in my left leg to take a, like, a diuretic that he had prescribed and potassium, that was it. Mm -hmm. Dangerous. Can you imagine how they yeah. not followed up again? So I hope people will listen to this yeah. and, and understand like you can have a full life. It might look a little bit different than others. You don't have to compare your insides to other people's outsides. And that's a hard thing to do. It I is. do it myself, it especially is. social media and this nightmare. Yeah. But you also like the people that are there for you. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about the people that are there. I've seen so many people discard people that have been there for them no matter what. It's happened to me with a, a few people, which is always horrible, but like, Find your blessings and count them because I'm telling you right now, 
What a miserable existence to just exist. Mm -hmm. That's sort of my thing. Like, I refuse to just exist. Well, here's the thing. I love Wes. I couldn't love Wes more if I tried. I, he's, I'm a big fan, you know. Yeah. When you were up there, when you were in your backyard boxing, yeah. you were inspiring everybody, including me. No, thank you. Okay? Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Fine. Okay. That was great. All right. You're amazing, dude. I love you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Of course. You're amazing. Thank you. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.